the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. This is Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us today, we have Dano O'Brien with Broco Plants. Welcome, Dano. Hey, guys. How are we doing? Great. And, you know, Dano, I was uh, really interested to see your background, how you got to be involved in the industry, but also where. Uh, not the normal path where uh, we see a lot of people either in the U.S. or internationally. So, Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, to, for the listeners to cut to the end, you're, today you're in Costa Rica, but you you got to Costa Rica a bit through a circumlocutious route, starting off in the U.S. and then heading international before settling in Costa Rica. Tell us about that and your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So I got into the cannabis space um, from some advice from a friend of mine. My, my dad had esophageal cancer and he had just watched a documentary on tumors shrinking and you know, the miracle behind RSO uh, at the time. And so we started doing some research and I started really kind of breaking down the plant material and, and learning to make medicine for my dad. And, and that's kind of what got me into it. And then starting to realize uh, getting into the CBD industry. And so that was in Texas, right? That you were doing that? that? That's correct. That was in Texas. Right. Okay. So, and, and so how many years ago was that? Sorry. Oh, no worries. Oh gosh. Um, eight and a half years ago when we started getting making stuff with my dad. Right. So that was really early for the industry in the U.S. Correct. Yeah. And uh, good. Okay. Thank you. So yeah, no, you started building that in CBD Focus in, the, in Texas. Correct. So we started a, a company that we were making natural-based products with CBD in it. And uh, I started realizing that about 80 to 90% of the competitors that we were making products competing against were really didn't have what they said was in there. There was no testing, there was no tracking. Mm -hmm. And so it was really difficult to get in the industry and get a good market share without competing against companies that had great marketing, but necessarily the product wasn't the best. Right. And so um, that's kind of what started me on the quest of, of looking elsewhere in, uh, to get into the industry. And, and that's what pushed me at the time I had a business partner that was Colombian mm -hmm. and uh you know, he was like, man, Colombia is going to legalize cannabis real soon. And so his brother was an attorney. And, and so we went down to Colombia and met with a few different uh, departments down there. And I just, I got some really weird feelings when we started having to set up shell corporations to hide our personal identities and the cartel and, and the organized crime down there is just still, in my opinion, at the time was still a little too. Was too How many years ago was this? Uh, this would have been six years ago. Okay, so I mean, you know, the cartels long gone from being involved in Colombia. I, I built an operation down there starting about uh, in 2018, and uh, yep. I exited a year ago. But you know, never had an issue unless you were within you know 50 kilometers of the Colombian or Ecuador border, because uh, the Venezuelan mm -hmm. or Ecuador border, nobody seemed to have many problems, and it was right. heavily controlled. But you know, to be down there that long ago, that was really early for the Colombian industry as well. Must have Correct. been tough figuring out what was going to happen. Correct. And that's what kind of got to the point where it was a little too dangerous and a little too uncertain for, for me to stay down there. And, and, you know, at the time I had little kids. So I was also thinking about my family and where, where to be at too for 
a good life. And so mm-hmm. Costa Rica, I knew lots of people here and it was a, a good kind of median point where Colombia was and, and more Central America where I really wanted to, to start focusing on cultivation side. And right. uh, we, we bought here because we knew people in Costa Rica and we became residents and have loved being here and really enjoyed it. I hear it's and, a beautiful uh, country. It's one I on my list of places to visit. Yeah, I, most people that come down here to visit us, they wind up trying to figure out how they can move down this direction and, you know, create something, you know, a little unique outside the the U.S. space. And, right. you know, that's really kind of where my my passion comes in on this is because I do worry about the future of these products and how they're traced and tracked, mm-hmm. uh, how they're marketed towards kids, how we can keep them out of, you know, hands of people that, that don't necessarily need them. And so yeah. that's kind of what kind of pushed me in the rabbit hole of research and then trying to get into to working with the Costa Rican government. So, you, you know, by your wording, you're heavily focused on the medical side and not interested in the adult use. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it's, it's there. I would think it's mm-hmm. way safer than alcohol is. It's not that I'm against it. I just mm-hmm. think for this particular country at this time, yep. it's just difficult to put in this many different systems in place at one opportunity. There's right. an always an opportunity to go back and add a recreational market. Uh, there's always an opportunity to go back and make a robust, you know, home growth, uh, uh, you know, system. But it's difficult to launch industrial hemp, therapeutic marijuana, medical marijuana, recreational marijuana, and home grows all at one time for a country this small. Absolutely, so- it's a challenge for the government because you know they have to regulate, they have to inspect, they have to make sure the systems are in place to comply with the the UN treaties and everything else. And that that's onerous for the government, let alone for the producers. So you moved to Costa Rica, I'm assuming it's about five years ago? About five and a half years ago. Yep. Five and a half years ago. And you knew you were going to be involved in the industry. What was the, what was open there? Because, you know, Costa Rica really never isn't an area anybody speaks about as being a producing uh, or one of the close to producing countries. Yeah, I mean, th- there is some older genetics here. There's some indigenous cr- tribes that are in this country. So, it, I mean, it's been here for quite a few hundred years. Of course, it's been um, everywhere. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, specifically in this region, there is some right. some species that do grow well here. And mm-hmm. I think the, the culture is not quite what you would think it would be other places. But I think people are, I mean, everywhere I go, the, it's changing. The opinion's changing. And I think really where it boils down to is you start seeing these guys that are coming back from war that rather than taking opiates would much rather take edibles or smoke. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're telling their parents and their grandparents how much better it is for them rather than to use cannabis products versus opiates. Right. So I think it's starting to actually sway a lot of people's opinion, especially some of the older generations back into to seeing the positive effects it does have. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's a, that's a wave that's, making its way around the world, the, the older generations are you know, more, much more cognizant of it and accepting of uh, the plant because they understand the value. They're, you know, they've come to understand the value, but more to the point, you know, Costa Rica, which is, you know, a great place to be able to grow. How, how did they accept the development of an operation there? And did they want you to focus just on hemp or were they comfortable with cannabis as well? And how were the laws there five years ago? Uh, five years ago, there was nothing here. Um, right. You know, CBD wasn't legal here until just a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so really, there's only 
39 maybe registered products right now in this country through the health department. Right. You know, and so there hasn't been a really clear path for people to kind of get into the cannabis space here. Um, and so now with this bill being pushed through, right, uh, with 21, uh, 21388, it's going to really kind of bring a lot of this to the surface and, and hopefully get it moving in the, the correct direction for this industry. Right. And when I say, and when I say industry, I mean, we have to understand the market here is not you know, very big either. You know, this is a five to six million people here, uh, quite a few tourists that visit. But at the end of the day, this is not a huge market to, to set up a, a retail product, in my opinion. I, I really see this country as being able to produce really fine product and exporting it anywhere in the world and using its, you know, known branding for excellent agriculture products and healthy and natural products to be able to push, uh, you know, cannabis products from Costa Rica around the world. Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing, right? It's a lot of the production com- countries are small population, but the the quality and volume they can produce at a much lower cost um, is extremely appealing to uh, investors or producers. You know, I, I drove down costs in my operation to about seven cents a gram up in, you know, up here to get the same quality, you're, you're still over a dollar a gram. There's no comparison. Yeah. No, and you can take advantage of the natural elements down here with the, the sunlight, the humidity, the, the light schedule. Um, you know, there's a few challenges down here. Um, you know, I, I, I have this show coming up in, in January that we're going to be doing, and I'm stressed to quite a few companies that it's super important to get quality pest control and nutrient companies down here because this place has a lot of bugs. We have quite a few different predators. Uh, right. Uh, as a matter of fact, the other night I had to go to the greenhouse in the middle of the night to track down leafcutter ants that were oh yeah dismantling some of my plants. Yeah, there's always there's always something, and you know there's a there's always a good solution uh, uh, in in nature, which is sure. a much better path than uh, mm-hmm. trying to apply anything else. Let's 100%. we have to take a quick break, but we'll be back in a minute with Dano from Rocco Plants. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Dano from Rocco Plants uh, down in Costa Rica. And Dano, you know, just uh, as we're talking through that, I mean, there's a, a few different topics to, to drive into. But the um, when when you started working with the government to start building a platform for the industry to operate on. Obviously, you had to work on the regulatory framework. The government had to uh, build the laws, align it with the UN treaties, and so on and so forth. Um, obviously, you know, as the president there was uh, was receptive, and he encouraged it. How, how long has it taken, and, you know, what stage do you feel it's at? Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated uh, subject. <laughs> because the president did come on the the television here and say he was going to reactivate the economy with hemp, right? And then kind of got stalled quite a bit. The project got pushed out of uh, out of Congress a little bit and got delayed. Uh, COVID obviously has not been the friendliest for timelines with with governmental operations as well. It's been difficult um, for everybody. <laughs> correct. Yeah. So understanding that going into it, it's just. It's dragged out originally when we signed on to do this, we kind of figured it would be under a year's time and we're going into, I think about 17 months now. Right. Um, And so 
it's it's been challenging. Um, our original goal with with Maganita was to prove the viability in its current standard. Right. In other words, anybody can go online and order a container load of lights and the mm-hmm. top of the line products and have it shipped anywhere. But we're trying to prove this crop as a national product that local farmers that really are the ones that need the income and the boost in their economy, yep. that they could do it with what was here in the country at the time. Right. And so everything for our project was sourced from internally into the country, uh, minus the genetics. Those came from the United States. Uh, and, um, you know, we just kind of set up a, a simple set of trials so that we could look at three different growing environments Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just kind of keep track of what the different growth rates were and overall what the quality was, and then be able to record the issues that we had, um, knowing into the future, you know, what we needed to bring down or what our weak points were going to be in, in the operation side. Right. And, you know, one of the th- things you're doing to bring attention to the industry in Costa Rica is the Cannabis Congress. Um, tell me a bit about that. Yeah. You mentioned so that's uh, happening in January. Sorry. Yeah, it's, it's coming up very quick, actually. Um, so part, part of what I've been working with the government on the viability is showing them some of the, um, the issues other countries have had. And one of the biggest one is, is, is the supply side. If you don't have the tools and equipment that you need and the support, you'll fail miserably. Yep. And so that's what this kind of joint show was. Part of my our, our research here with Roco Plants was that we were going to donate all of the uh, SOPs and kind of, you know, growing for Costa Rica for the for a farmer that's here, how they can do it cost effectively, uh, and also source everything from here in the country if they needed. And so the event was born. Uh, originally, we were going to do it here in November, um, but with some of the slowdowns in Congress, um, we kind of pushed back and waited. Uh, they went back and did some extra examining into the law and that kind of slowed it down. And so we pushed it to the end of January. It, my opinion is, I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get some movement out of uh, the assembly. I think they're going to go through and do their second debate and hopefully push it on to the president. Um, if that right. happens, then he's got a short period of time for him to read through it and decide if he wants to support it or not support it. Right. And he's already indicated in principle he's supportive of it. That so is correct. That looks, that is- you know, that looks really great. So, you know, what do you see with, you know, your conversations in the with interested parties down there? How do you see it developing? I mean, uh, the whole region is slowly coming online, and you know, I've had a lot of uh, discussions with the uh, Panamanian government and um, about a few things and. You know, there's a there's another uh, country right close by that's you know very very aware of it and looking to be uh, to participate strongly. Um, mm-hmm. The whole region is very well placed for production, um, and also you know as some of the areas uh, have a lot of very well set up free trade zones, which are, are appealing from a pharmaceutical perspective around the exports. But it takes time to come together. Are you seeing interest from investment uh, perspective? Are you seeing interest from foreign companies that are looking to participate locally? What are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, I've had lots of conversations with with different uh, heads of companies and, and talked to them about their plans for you know this direction. As as we know, Colombia, Panama, we know Mexico is kind of working on the way. Mm-hmm. Costa Rica is here, so we have this big cluster already of of countries that 
are in desperate need of, of supplies. I mean, that's what's going to really be a key factor for down here is having the right equipment to be more effective with what they're doing. Right. So, you know, your, your, your seven cents a gram, I think that's spot on with, with where we're at. And I've always told people the cannabis business is a race to the bottom. We're just going to figure out how cheap we can possibly grow it. And that's going to be the, the main market, a lot like, you know, other vegetables like corn and weed and things like that, that have a pretty much spot price for what they're worth. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just going to take some adjustment to get to that point. And there's going to be, I think, a lot of companies that do really well that understand that concept and some that won't. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's going to very quickly, as soon as the U.S. really legalizes um, and has a, a federal standard, you know, it's going to change the international trade in the industry as a whole. Um, today, you can import uh, isolate into the States, but nothing else really. Um, Europe, you know, there's been a lot of openings. Germany's supposed to make some huge strides in the next year. Uh, the new government is very, uh, very much in favor of opening up the industry. And they've been stymied by restrictions on the doctors. But even though they're a prescriptions, they're limited in what they can do. That's going to change. That opens up the, the markets tremendously. And that's really going to drive growth for you and other firms that are, you know, the producing regions. 100%. 100%. Yep. No, there's the, the, the world market is changing every day. And, you know, I, we've done some projects down in Colombia that we're working on. And it's amazing to see the landscape just in the last few months of where Colombia and what they're looking at doing now that they have the possibility of exporting to some of these other European, you know, countries and states. So there's some really interesting plays internationally that I think as supply chains kind of build and this gets more commercialized, we're going to start seeing, I think, larger corporations start sourcing material and you find a, a, an environment like this where you can really be productive. Uh, I think it's it opens a lot of opportunities. It does. It absolutely does. And, you know, those opportunities are are going to be in a myriad of forms. But, you know, do you you mentioned you're going to be producing products for distribution within uh, Costa Rica. Do you see the export market being those finished products or flour? Uh, no, I think it's more finished products. I mean, if, you know, I, I just as in L.A. and we were doing some market research and we were going to, to some of the dispensaries and I was talking to some customers and some of the, uh, the bud tenders. And mm -hmm. I noticed just from what I've looked at, the edible business is just going through the roof and I don't see it really slowing down. And so I think the consumables is a, is a huge, interesting place to participate. Um, you know, the flower game, you know, it's kind of hit or miss. It's very risky when you're growing production crops. It's a lot more predictable. I think overall cost, uh, when you break it down, you're going to be much more effective uh, in, a, in a consumable. So I, I do see Costa Rica as being a country that can make either finalized raw goods that can be exported uh, for further distillation or processing or, you know, opening some processing plants here where we can, we can ship some quality material. Out. Yeah. And, you know, if you're able to produce the final good that's packaged and then sold, you're going to make the most margin as well. Correct. And that's our, that's our whole point. And, and that's what I've tried to work on the most down here is building some interest in, in the middle section. There's plenty of people down here with land that want to farm and want to get into this industry. Uh, I'm no shortage on farmers, I believe. I think the, the, the shortage is in the middle section. It's the processing, it's the manufacturing. Um, you know, it's very easy to, to have uh, start a CBD company and just go white goods or white label everything and, and make your own brand and you've got your own storefront immediately. 
the middle section really refining down the production side and, and the manufacturing of, the, of the, the goods that we can use is, is what I think this area needs the most work in. And I think yeah. it's, you, it's what the States is suffering in as well too, trying to get that, that material processed into something. Oh, absolutely. And it's, you know, that's a immense challenge as you get into the global pharma standards that most companies haven't had to tackle yet. And I know I've, uh, consulted to a number of them who are looking at it and don't even know where to begin. And that's a, quite honestly, that's another piece that's going to separate the industry out pretty quickly as the markets open up because companies that aren't prepared are going to die very quick deaths because they just won't be able to move their product and the cost to, uh, to pivot is going to be horrible. Yep. They'll wither on the vine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's, it's interesting to step back and kind of look at different pieces of this. I've, before, when I was telling you my background of getting in and learning how to make it on my own and then creating products and then getting yep. into the cultivation and then ultimately now working with looking at where we've made mistakes in other countries and other places in the world that we can improve upon. We now know what works. We know what doesn't work. You know, we've seen different situations where states have gone really cheap with licensing and had, you know, an overwhelming amount of applicants for to be growers it really needs to be balanced and it needs to be thought out. And and in this country, controlling the genetics is going to be very important. Um, You know, if they're going to do seed stocks, it's going to be very important to balance the country out with the ministry of agriculture, making sure we don't have crops that cross pollinate for seed and Mm -hmm. some crops for oil. And so having to go through and explain that and looking at where you can and can't permit things. And just, it's interesting. I, I really like this side of, of, diving into all the little intricacy parts and trying to to find the best fit there's you know it's a it's such a rapidly developing industry there's always change and that changes opportunity we do have to take a quick break but we're going to be back in uh, just a couple of minutes with dano uh, from roco plants i'm richard zwicky on the green peak the green peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors And we're back on the Green Peak with uh, Dano O'Brien from Roco Plants. And Dano, you know, we talked on a lot of different areas about the industry and your your focus on, you know, getting into that uh, extra part between, you know, where the production is, the extraction, the finished goods. All of that is a really challenging area for businesses everywhere because the global standards are are high. And... You know, when companies look at building the operations in different areas, they're, you know, like I had to build everything from the ground up, not just the SOP, you know, that includes SOPs, but not just that, the certifications and everything else that you have to go to from an international standard. In some areas, these standards are foreign, and it's not because they're backwards in any ways, it's because they produce for the, the national market or they're used to importing these finished goods. What's the market like in Costa Rica for? laboratories, pharmaceutical companies that are producing locally, what exists? I think you'll be very surprised when you take a look at uh, Costa Rica and the pharmaceutical um, aspect. We know we have Raven, which is a really large company here, as well as a few others that do pharmaceuticals. Uh, There's lots of labs and testing, Um, you know, back in the day when COVID first started, I don't Mm -hmm. know if you remember the news, but we were, they were using um, horse uh, material down here to create a vaccine and, it had the first breakthrough down here with their pharmaceutical company. So, um, you know, it, this is a very intelligent country, very highly educated. There's oh, lots of absolutely. 
we've worked on two or three different projects already here with some university kids. Uh-huh. Um, looking at the economics of hemp and, and and how it would essentially be set up in, in an industry like this here, and it's it's great, man. I think this is this this country has all of the resources for for what they need. Uh-huh. There'll be a little bit of a time, I think, to to get it up and running and changed over. But we saw the same growth problems in places like the states and uh-huh. and uh, places like that. Uh, it's just oh, a matter. Absolutely, of- and you know that's that's exactly it. Is it'll it'll happen everywhere. Um, you know, the U.S., of course, it is a large farm industry. It has that all the, you know, the labs to the various things and not everywhere does. Right. It's uh, there are I've run into areas where there's only one really or two uh, companies that are certified to an international standard. And when you've got one or two for countries of 50 plus million or even 30 plus million, you're bringing in a lot of knowledge in this industry and it's it's hard work it is uh you know i don't know if we're, if you're familiar with a company uh that produces can id ionization labs yeah uh, creed crawford i've started working with him about nine or ten months ago and we actually have one of their liquid chromograph machines here in costa rica and so that was one of the biggest things when we started sitting down and, and looking at you know on the government side what should they be paying attention to yep. and, and and rather than just guessing at how many pounds of flour it is, is you can actually break that material down and see what it is and how valuable it is. There are some minor cannabinoids that are very expensive. Yep. And so we can start targeting some of those raw goods differently and using lab results and COAs. Which, uh, it really enables us to, to control and understand you know, what's being grown and, and how valuable it really is. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's very very true, and you know that you're going already into the minor cannabinoids. That's where massive growth is going to occur um, as the as the next phase. And I don't mean that as uh, the immediate next step. I mean obviously in different markets, as uh, different uh, even you know the CBD market in some places is so heavily regulated and closed, it still has to explode. But in areas where it's developed, you know there's so much unknown about the all the other cannabinoids where we don't know what they do but we know they do something yeah i try explaining people all the time oh uh, this this certain cannabis makes me feel this way and this one is a different mm-hmm. way you know you have to ex- sit down and explain to them you know the whole purpose of the flower and how many different chemicals are really make up that plant material and how they can affect you certain cannabinoids and terpenes that you know we, we don't understand what they do and how they work so it's uh I'm really excited. I, I use this analogy with people all the time, you know, from the time the Wright brothers learned to fly to the time we put on a man, a man on the moon was not a, not a long period of time. And so if you can imagine now with the amount of research that we're going to be able to do in the cannabis space and the technology that's available at us yep. at our fingertips, we're going to make monumental uh, milestones, I think in the next five to 10 years in the cannabis space and oh, really absolutely. break understanding what this plant really can do for us. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's it's great because it becomes ubiquitous as a, a treatment plan. And until, you know, until the prohibition on it, it was significant across the whole medical industry. But the pharma companies couldn't understand how to, to manage and control it. So it was easier to get it banned everywhere. That's right. unfortunate because we've lost, you know, it's kind of hit, hit, we hit the dark ages of knowledge with regards to the plant and demonized it where it was a benefit that it was commonly used. And, yep. you know, for reasons, corp, you know, corporate reasons of profit, 
we handicapped everybody in terms of medical treatments. And that's been horribly unfortunate, to put it mildly. But Dana, we do have to, we are running short of time, and this has been fascinating. People who are interested in, you know, getting involved in Costa Rica, learning about, more about what's going on, you know, you'd be a great resource. How do they contact you? Okay, a couple ways. Um, through the Cannabis Congress, that's the event. Um, you can click directly on our websites, either thecannabiscongress.com or thecannabiscongress.net, either one. You can fill out a submission form if you have questions there. Um, I've got a couple girls that take care of answering the e e e excuse me, emails for us so that we'll make sure we get back to you as quickly as possible. And yeah, absolutely more than happy to help out if there's companies that are interested in, in getting into a different industry or taking a look at it, be more than happy to put them with the correct information they need. Well, that's fantastic. And, you, you know, I just looked, the Cannabis Congress is running January 27th or 29th of uh, next year, and that's fantastic. People who want to email you, Dano at Roco Plants? That's correct. Dano at rocoplants.com. Uh, that'll go directly to me and uh, I will reply back to all my emails. So, Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us today, Dano. And thanks to everybody for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for your time, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it as well. And thank you, everybody. I'm Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak, and we'll be chatting again soon. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.